The big challenge is this. How are investors like us, who are not backed by a billion dollar hedge fund, who are investing money from our own pockets, how do we buy, sell, and invest in the properties we believe in, yet still make a profit without risking all of our own money? That is the challenge. In this podcast, we'll give you the answers. My name is Nate Armstrong, and welcome to the Social Media Blueprint. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the SMB podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Bianco, and your other co-host, Mr. Nate Armstrong. We are here today to talk about the most common mistakes that real estate investors make that nearly kills their deals. No more deal killing time. After you get today's formula, you're going to be able to walk away much more enlightened on how to actually land these deals. Okay, so first off, I've got something I want to share that's a little funny. What do affordable, and this is a joke, okay? What do great affordable contractors have in common with UFOs, unidentified flying objects? What do great affordable contractors have in common with UFOs? Here's what it is. You always hear stories about them, but no one has actually seen one. Ha! <laughs> okay, that's a corny joke, but I wanted to start off with something a little funny today. Now, I want to move into our formula. This is the formula that we use over here at smbpodcast.com to help land these deals. And if you boil this business back to this simple formula, this will help you make your deals happen. The formula goes like this. Businesses leads, calls, and offers from the heart. When I treat people the way I want my own mom treated, opportunity knocks, doors open, and I get paid to serve people. I'm alert and ready to learn the next lesson. Are you ready, Bianco? Yes. Okay, Bianco's ready. I'm ready. So the topic we have at hand today is the most common mistakes that real estate investors make that nearly get their deals killed. Now, I want to explain this a little bit. Most real estate investors go in meeting sellers thinking about one thing and one thing only, and it's what's in this for me? What's important to me? But we really have to stop and think about the seller. We need to listen more than we talk. Are you right now in your business hearing the word no a lot from sellers or getting rejected? What may have worked in the past for you might not work anymore. You see, there's a new way of doing things. So don't make the same mistakes. The days of the lowball cash offer without a proper explanation are long gone. You probably heard of this group called the iBuyers. Well, the iBuyers from 2018 to 2019, their market share nearly doubled. From 2018, they were at 0.6% in most markets. In 2019, they'd almost doubled it to almost 1% of the market. That's a lot of houses. I mean, 1% doesn't sound like a lot, but if you think about the thousands and thousands of houses that are traded in every market across the country, if one person or one group of people could buy 1% of them, that's a lot of properties. And how did they do that? Why did they do that? Well, they set a new standard. Now, I know I'm gonna have some people that are gonna say, well, Nate, hold on. The iBuyers, they slowed down during the virus. Yeah, sure, they slowed down during the virus. That doesn't mean they stopped means they took a little slowdown, as did a lot of investors during the virus. The iBuyers have not quit. They're here. They've invented a new business model, and they're taking more market share. They doubled their market share in one year over the next year. And if you don't know what an iBuyer is, it's companies like Zillow.com and Redfin.com. Traditionally, they're more in like a Redfin's a broker, and Zillow is a data provider and an online. Everyone knows Zillow.com now. 
But what these companies have done is they've moved into the segment of actually getting into our role, the real estate investor, buying properties. And they did it all online. And a bunch of other companies, Open Door, OfferPad, a bunch of other ones have stepped up to fill those shoes too. And that market segment is growing. Now, why is it growing so much? What's going on with that? Well, the iBuyers set a new standard. The new standard is for sellers, and I've read, I've gone through, I spent two weeks really studying these iBuyers, like submitting offers to them, really following through on the funnel and seeing what happens next and why people like them so much. And there's three things that come out. Okay, there's three things that come out that's consistent with the iBuyers and what they're doing to the, the market. They make it really easy for sellers. They do it with transparency and they build trust. Those three things, it's common through any of the iBuyers that are successful at this business that you go through. Now, I want you to ask yourself this. Am I building trust with the seller? Ask yourself if, am I talking more than I'm listening? Now, sometimes we're caught up in what we need to buy a property for. And then we get stuck thinking about our ideal situation. Thoughts go through our head like, well, it'd be nice to wholesale this one for an easy profit. Or we might think, this is the perfect fix and flip. If only the seller would just give it away to me for the price that I want it for. Or we might think, this is the perfect rental house and I already got the tenant in mind for it. The seller should just let me take over their mortgage so then I don't have to pay the money out of pocket. Well, hold on a second here. That's not exactly how this works. The seller has real life needs too. They have a kid going to college, like my kid, Mr. Bianco, someday he might wanna do that, okay? They have kids that are going to college too. They might have to move to a new house, but there is a way that you can still, if you're willing to learn these other ways, that you can hit your goals and also hit their goals. If we talk more than we listen, people sometimes will get angry with us. If you talk more than you listen, have you ever heard of stories where people talk more than they listen, Bianco? Mm, maybe some. Have you heard the story about Joseph for the Bible? Yes, I have heard the one of the lion, Daniel in the lion's den. I'm going to ask you to tell that story in just a minute, okay? okay? So Joseph in the Bible, Joseph, when he was a young lad, he had several older brothers, and he used to go to his older brothers telling these big stories about how one day... Those were dreams that he used to... Yeah, he had dreams, and, and he would go tell his big brothers about his dreams and that... They, and that they would one day bow to him, and that ended up coming true. Yeah, well... When he ended up getting in charge of all of the land in Israel. So Bianco's explaining here that he told his older brothers that one day they were going to bow to him. Now, how do you think that made his older brothers feel when he was running around, little brother saying, one day you're going to be bowing to me? His older brothers got angry. <laughs> Here's this kid. They, Here's this. And then they were planning to throw them in, him into the pit. And then the people from Israel were trying to kill them. And they sold him as a slave. And then he ended up being in charge of all of the land around them. And they ended up coming and bowing to him because they were a great family. Yeah. So listen now, this kid, what Bianco just told us is this kid. He's bragging to his brothers, one day you're going to bow to me. His brothers get ticked off. They band together. They say, you know what? We're going to sell this kid into slavery. So they literally, they were going to throw him into a pit. And then they saw this traveling band come by and they sold him instead into slavery. They say goodbye. And then Joseph sits in this traveling cart down to Egypt, eventually is auctioned off and sold into some man's house as a slave. Well, eventually that man's wife doesn't like him and has him thrown into prison. He sits in prison in total time between slavery and prison. He's there for 13 years. 
and then that's when he gets released because Phil had a dream of the family and then he ends up being in Chidal's land. Exactly. So then one day after 13 years, and while, by the way, while he was in prison, he learned a valuable skill. He learned how to listen more than he talked. He listened. One day, the prison guard needed some help, and he listened with empathy, and he helped the prison guard. He ended up becoming kind of like the right-hand man of the prison guard while he was in jail because he listened so well. Another night, the baker, the royal baker, literally got thrown into jail. Uh-huh, and then they both of, well, he had dream and Joseph, and Hayden got and then he in and then he told him what the dream meant and then they ended up hanging him as he said yeah yeah so joseph basically listens really well while he's in jail he starts listening to other people's dreams he interprets them and then literally what he predicts is happening happens so then fast forward a little bit one day the pharaoh himself ruler of all the land has a dream none of his men can interpret it and eventually one of them says, you know what? I met this one guy in prison once that he actually interpreted dreams. His name is Joseph. You should really consult with him. Well, that was the guard. Yeah. Yeah, it was the guard. And then the Pharaoh's like, what? Are you kidding me? Some guy in prison? And the guard said, yeah, actually, this guy, I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it, but you should really listen to this guy. Let this guy have a chance. And then he ends up coming out and then he ends up being taped. And that's when he, he interprets his dream and that, that there will be seven years of family and seven years of non-family. And he ends up being the food one that goes sell the food and then his brothers come and bow to him for some food. Yeah. So what Bianco just explained is that literally he listens a lot, he interprets, and then he gets released from prison and the Pharaoh promotes him to be governor of all the land to help execute what the dream is supposed to be about. Now imagine that going from 13 years of slavery because you talk too much to now becoming the guy that listens the best in the world, or at least in the land, and gets promoted to governor because he listened. He listened more than he talked and then I want you to, to do this right now. Ask yourself, am I listening with the intent to help someone like Joseph did? Okay. When you first help someone, everyone wins in the end. Sometimes what a seller needs is pretty simple. Sometimes it's a chunk of cash to pay for a move. Sometimes it's they want consistent monthly income so that it can cover their mortgage payment. Other times it's they get stuck on a certain number. They get locked into a number like I want 200,000 for my house and it doesn't matter about anything else. It's just the number. My dad's kind of like that. My dad, he had this 1977 Chevrolet pickup truck that he was selling. He wanted $3,000 for the truck. Market value for the truck at the time was somewhere around $2,500. Okay, so other people tried to make him offers that were in his mind what he called lowball offers. And he kept turning them down saying, no, 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 I want my $3,000. He got stuck on it, okay? And at the time, I was actually trying to buy either a van or a small truck for my business. I had a small painting business. It's my, my very first business that I used to pay for school. And of course, like when you're doing a kind of business that produces income, you want to be able to support that business and grow that business. And I knew that I needed a truck. I needed a truck to haul some ladders from job site to job site. So I approached my dad about the truck and he told me the same thing he told everybody else. I want 3000 bucks and that's it. And I sat there and I thought about it and I said, okay, well, the 3000 might make sense, even though that's above market value, it might make sense. But since I'm making money in increments, when I get more paint jobs, maybe I can make the business pay for the truck. So I ran my numbers a little bit and I came back to my dad and I said, you know what? I'll pay your 3000. 
he was somewhat puzzled, but he was surprised and relieved. And he's like, you can? And I said, yeah, I'll pay you 3000 Here's how it will work. I'll pay you in monthly installments. As I get more paint jobs because of the truck, then I will pay you in monthly installments. And my dad said, okay, as long as I get the 3000 bucks and it's over this period of time, I'm happy. So we shook on it. We put a little tracker up in the, the kitchen cupboard. I remember we were actually tracking the dollar amounts that I paid and all that kind of stuff on this little handmade spreadsheet. But that's how the deal came together because I listened. I listened to my dad and as long as I hit his number, he was okay. So the next time that you find a seller stuck on a price, instead of trying to talk over them, what if instead you listened to what they need? What if you could find a way that to make monthly payments to them that's less than what you might be able to charge for rent on a property like that. My wife and I got a house in Medina, Minnesota that we bought. We got it for somewhere around $1,100 per month that we had to pay the sellers. It was a seller finance kind of situation. So $1,100 went to them, and then the market rent on the place was $1,400 per month. So by us listening to what the seller needed, we were able to structure a deal where we could take over their property and then rent it out and make a profit on it. What if you could do something like that? Okay, the next thing that I want you to really take assessment on before you go in to meet your next seller, okay, is this. Am I relieving the pressure? The pressure that's in the room. There's a lot of pressure when you sit down with a seller. Now think about this. The average locomotive train that's powered by a steam engine. These are the steam engine trains where you know where you take the coal and you shovel it into the, the hot fire and it warms up the water and it pushes that water. Well, that, that steam that comes off the water has to have enough pull to create over 50,000 pounds of pull. Now imagine like you or I as a human being, like if we tried to go pick up 50,000 pounds of weight, it would never happen. But we can put so much pressure through these locomotive engines, through their pipes and through the steam that's boiling the water and creating that steam is so tough that it's pulling a freaking train loaded with train cars. Imagine that. Now with so much pressure on these pipes, the pistons and the tanks, you'd think that there'd be more explosions, at least I did, but there are very, very few because of one little valve on this whole system that they call the safety valve. Now the safety valve is designed to automatically release pressure when it gets too hot. When you're sitting down with a seller, you need to have a safety valve as well. There's not 50,000 pounds of pressure literally in the room, but it feels like 50,000 pounds of pressure in the room. Think about this. When the seller's making that decision, that's oftentimes the biggest financial decision that they've ever taken in their life up to date. And you have to release some of the pressure in the room for them too. Your safety valve has to be turned on automatically every time that you sit down with the seller, just like the steam engines do too. And you can do it really simple like this. You can say, Mr. Seller or Mrs. Seller, I'm trying my best to help out, but I want you to know that sometimes these deals work and other times they don't work. Either way, it's totally cool. Best case scenario, I can help you. Worst case scenario, maybe I can refer somebody to you. I just want you to know that as we go into these. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't work. When you make that simple statement, when you relieve the pressure, you're allowing the seller to take 50,000 pounds of pressure off their shoulders. And instead, that pressure can then be used to push the train forward or push your deal forward. Could you imagine Joseph meeting the Pharaoh for the first time after being locked up and imprisoned for 13 years as a slave and as a prisoner, now meeting the Pharaoh for the first time to listen to his dream and interpret it 
And by the way, if he gave a bad interpretation, <laughs> the risk of a bad interpretation to a pharaoh at that time was death. <laughs> now, could you imagine the pressure that that might have been in the room there? Could you imagine if he went in and didn't relieve some of the pressure? Now, it's easy to release the pressure if you first go in with the intent of helping or serving them. And that's what Joseph did when he got in the room with the Pharaoh. He went in and said, you know what? I'm going to listen to this dream and I'm going to fully serve him and tell him what my heart tells me. And that's what I'm going to do. And that's exactly what he did. We have to do the same thing when we sit down with our sellers. Let's let the pressure out and let's serve them. Okay. And well, it made sense if he did well that the cattle, the one that were alive, they ate him. Yeah. Yeah. From the dream. Bianca was talking about the dream that the Pharaoh had that he explained to Joseph. You're right. Okay. My next question and challenge from Bianca and I is this. And well, the one of this toy. Are you giving up too soon? That's another spot where I see common mistakes that real estate investors do that nearly get all their deals killed. Are you giving up too soon? Now, there's this gentleman by the name of Archie Williams, who at 22 years old was arrested and sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole. And not just any prison, he was sentenced to Angola. Angola prison has been named the bloodiest prison in America. Now, like young Joseph from our last story, Archie was guilty of no crime. He was young, he had no money for an attorney, and the justice system needed a bad guy to serve despite having no evidence against him. And he even had witnesses at his trial that said, you know what, this guy was never at the crime scene, he was somewhere else. Despite all that, he got a life sentence with no chance of parole. So while Archie sat in the bloodiest prison in America, he could have given up. He could have said, you know what, I give up. The cards are stacked against me. I have no chance of ever seeing freedom again. And said, you know what he said? He said this. He said, freedom is of the mind. I went to prison, but I never let my mind go to prison. He also said, I would pray and sing, and this is how I got peace. Now, after 37 years of Archie Williams being locked in prison, there was a, a group that took on his case and dug up the evidence and they were able to prove once and for all that he wasn't the guy that committed those awful crimes. He wasn't. And after 37 years, this man was able to be freed and see the light of day again. That's pretty cool. He actually ended up on the show America's Got Talent and he sang a beautiful song and it was totally liberating. And the guy holds no malice, no anger in his heart, like just a very good, like God loving man. And this guy is such an inspiration. And if we think about this, Archie Williams could have given up. And I want you to remember the story about Archie because like Joseph, Archie never gave up. And the same thing has to happen when we're going in to meet these sellers. We can't give up. I'll tell you how in just a minute here. Now, the first time that I painted houses to pay for school, this is back when my painting business, before I got my dad's truck, I had to go knock on doors to get paint jobs. My first 15 doors were all straight up rejections. It was either rejections, like door got shut in my face, or what always often happen is the dog, the, always the owner's dog would bark so loud, the owner would come to the door and they would kind of look out the window and they'd say, so sorry, dog, and they would just shut the door, boom. But I had no chance, none. So I decided to try something a little outside the box. I went to the pet store, I bought a box of dog biscuits, I lined my pockets with dog biscuits, and then when I went and knocked the next door and I heard that dog barking, immediately what I would do is I would hold up the dog biscuit, show it to the owner, show it to the dog, give it to the dog, dog would stop barking, giving me just enough time to impress the homeowner, and the homeowner would say, 
okay, what are you selling? And then I would explain, hey, I'm painting houses, I'm a student, this is what I do to pay for school, would you mind if I gave you a free estimate on your paint job? So with dog biscuits in hand, I was able to get one house out of 29 houses on the doors that I knocked to say yes, allowing me to give them an estimate for painting their houses. Without the dogs, I may have never had the dog biscuits to impress the homeowner. I needed those dogs. I need, that was like my foot in the door, so to speak. I needed the dog biscuits too. Now I kept a tally on a notebook page of paper as I walked the neighborhoods, knowing that I'd had to get 28 no's, I would then get a yes. So it was my 28 tallies that I'd see on my piece of paper that said, you know what, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving up, I'm not giving up because I'm 28 no's away from one yes. Now, my 28 no's are in no way a comparison to Archie's 37 years of not giving up in Angola prison. Not at all, I'm not making that parallel. My point is this, we can't give up so easily. Anything in life is worth pushing for. I wanna tell you about a man named Ernie Davis. Ernie Davis was the first African-American to win the Heisman Trophy, but his life was anything but easy. When he was in grade school, a group of kids, white kids specifically, surrounded him trying to steal his bottles from him. He had collected these bottles off the tracks and he was gonna go take them in for recycling, and they were trying to steal them from him. They demanded that he gives the bottles or else, basically threatening his, his life. And not only did Ernie say, you know what, I'm keeping my bottles, but as he plowed through the kids, he broke free from the circle running as fast as he could. He proceeded to outrun all eight boys that tried to pursue him. Now, this is kind of the story of Ernie's life. Ernie's life was filled with racial injustice and inequality. He was by far the best running back in his, on his team, in the league. And even after carrying the ball time after time, almost down to the end zone, there was one time specifically in a game where he got to the two yard line and his coach pulled him out of the game and sent in a white player to score the touchdown. Now to make it worse, at the Cotton Bowl victory celebration, where basically Ernie was the man that led them to the victory of the Cotton Bowl, Ernie and two of his fellow black team members were not permitted to stay because it was held at a whites only club. This is in an era of extreme segregation, it was very sad. Ernie Davis could have quit. He could have said, you know what, I'm done with this BS. And actually, as I'm thinking about this, I get riled up inside thinking for Ernie. If I were Ernie at the time, I probably would have. I would have been so fired up. But instead, you know what Ernie did? Just like Joseph, he pushed harder to be his best. Ernie went on after winning the Heisman Trophy, after winning the Cotton Bowl, despite all odds against him, Ernie went on to getting drafted into the NFL. Now, prior to his opening season, he was diagnosed sadly with leukemia. But do you think Ernie gave up? Nah, not at all. You can actually look around and you can find interviews on this, but he sat right in front of the press with a smile on his face and he told the reporters he was gonna press forward and he was gonna beat it. And you know what, he did keep pressing on. He even helped his former school, Syracuse, recruit their next legendary player who had already signed with Notre Dame. Now, sadly, Ernie did end up passing away from leukemia, but his memory will forever live on because he was a man that never gave up. Never, ever, ever. Ernie is such a heroic figure to all of us. Now, I want you to ask yourself right now, why can't you close one deal per month? Why can't you buy your first rental house? Why can't you work in real estate full time? Is it because maybe we've given up too soon? Or are we not building enough trust with the sellers that we meet first by listening to them? Are we relieving the pressure that's in the room just like the locomotive steam engine train has a safety valve? 
If you live by these new standards, you might see more deals coming through for you. Your dad might have wanted over market value for his truck too, but if you're using it to produce income, it might be something that's good for you. It might be a whole new era of doing deals with sellers. Don't let the old ways of doing things hold you back from the new opportunities that are in front of you. Now, Moses got his people out of slavery, but you know what Moses never saw? You know what Moses never got to? He never got to the promised land. His way of thinking led his people so far. What's that, buddy? But Joshua didn't up there. Yeah, Joshua, the next generation. Moses' generation never got to see the promised land. It was because their way of thinking got them so far, which was to the desert, out of slavery, but not to the promised land. It took the new generation of thinking to get to the promised land. And I wonder if there's areas that we're using right now that have outdated thinking, maybe keeping us stuck in the desert. Do you ever feel like you're stuck in the desert? Believing we can't get a seller to say yes, or maybe giving up too soon and talking about our needs more than listening to the needs of the seller. Now there's this company called Pro Sales Connection. They published an article that said 80% of sales are made after the fifth contact. Now that stat got a lot of pushback but the National Sales Executive Association confirmed it with a study that they did, and they confirmed that somewhere between the fifth and twelfth follow-up, 80% of all deals are made. Now, as I think about this, as we're talking right now, I've been working with a prominent roofing company, one of the big ones, to help them with their marketing. Now, on the fifth call that I had, their CEO gave me a verbal yes to a six-figure proposal, but the deal was not ready to be done yet. I recognize that first they needed a lot of SEO work. And so I referred him to a friend of mine that does SEO work. Now, after my SEO friend heard the story, he said, Nate, I have so much more respect for you as of now. You took care of their needs ahead of yours. Now, some people are going to hear this and they're going to say, well, Nate, hold on a second here. Why didn't you take the six figure deal right now? Here's why I listened more than I talked. And I know that I'll gain so much more helping them get what they need right now than I ever will. If I took a client based on my needs only. Now, you might have lost a deal before because you knew it was not right for the seller. Stay in faith that the right seller is coming to you. Get educated for the next seller that comes to you. Do you know the 17 different ways to buy houses right now so you can help the next seller that is stuck on a number? If you don't, I challenge you to get educated. It might not make sense right now, but doing the right thing always makes sense in the end. I love saying no for some deals so I can say yes to the right deals. That doesn't mean I give up, far from it. Like Archie, like Ernie, and like Joseph never gave up either. The seller might not be the right person to help today, but I know I can serve them in a few months, so I'll check back on them, okay? Don't let your old ways become the ways that you're doing the business now. Let and learn from folks like the iBuyers, Joseph, Ernie, and Archie. Ask yourself this, am I showing the seller the real numbers open book? Am I telling them my real profit margin? This is another one where I see tons of people killing their own deals because they don't do this. Sellers know that we're there to make a profit. And if you don't talk about it, what it does is it makes this big pink elephant in the room. Are you willing to put your cards on the table? I do. I actually ask the seller. One of my questions is when I get to that line item, I say, what do you think is a reasonable profit margin for me to make? And we talk about it out loud, open book. Laying your cards on the table builds trust. Now, my wife and I, we struggled to get pregnant for four years. 
We heard from doctors everything from autoimmune disease relations to radiation were having adverse effects on our efforts. And we kept trying with no positive results. And what I ended up doing is I buried my head in work. And what I realized quickly is that you can make all the money in the world, but it doesn't change a thing if you don't have good feelings at home. Life is not enjoyable. After a nudge from above, we took a decision to try a natural healing center. On day one, my wife laid all of her cards on the table. Literally, she had to. She had to get some blood work done, and she had to list out what she'd been eating. By day two, it's like they read the list, and they're like, ah, you're coming over here to this part. By day two, they had her eating literally straight greens, drinking wheatgrass shots, and celery juice. They even had her doing wheatgrass enemas, if you can imagine that. Now, my son and I, we went to go visit her on day six. And on day six, we had to eat what she was eating. Do you remember that, buddy? Remember yes. we ate it out there? We Wait, ate sprouts. Like, what else? I like mostly the sauerkraut, so all the sprouts, and yes, and the tomatoes. There you go. That was the diet. Sprouts, sauerkraut, and tomatoes? And well, yes. They had, and that, and garlic, and juices, and everything. Veggies. Greenland. It was like being a cow in an open pasture. <laughs> there was no cheese. There were no creamy Italian dressings. There were no meats. None of that stuff. And the other thing is that there's no complaining allowed because you were in their world. And we were there to support her. And she ended up staying for 21 days. When we picked her up after 21 days, her skin tone looked 10 years younger. She was glowing. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, and she still is today. Within eight months of that, we got pregnant. Now, we know that God gave us a gift. We completely know that. We had to first put our cards on the table. We had to not complain about the taste of sprouts. We had to not give up on these green enemas. I say we, but really my wife. My wife, my wife, my wife. We've been pretty good here at home, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, we're not as good in discipline as mom. Mom is the ultimate one, but mom. we've been pretty good too in supporting. Yes. We got rid of dairy from the house. Like, yeah, but anyway, date I sugar and that stuff is sugar. Yeah, we, we haven't got rid of our dates yet. Bianco's confessing. <laughs> well, I go here's what I'm asking you today. Don't go back to the way that it used to be. Listen more than you talk. Be open book with your sellers and build trust. Don't get stuck in your old ways. Moses never got to see the promised land with that old thinking. Ernie, Archie, and Joseph never gave up and neither should you. Now here, if you've enjoyed this message, first, give thanks to God. And second, please do us a favor and leave a comment or review for us so we can help get this message to other people. And definitely stick around for next week's episode. Bianco, you wanna say goodbye to everybody? Yeah, bye. We forgot the story of... Oh, that's the story for next time. Okay. Next time, Bianca's going to tell us the story of Daniel in our next message, right? Yes. Okay. Thanks, guys. We'll talk soon. This is the PodcastFactory.com.